904. All right, yes. Hallelujah. 904. Right, right, real quickly. I mean, I mean, don't, don't mess around. You want to brag on Jesus right quickly? Jump up and do it. Amen. God's nudged your heart. You need to do something. You need to do it. I want you to obey the Lord tonight. I certainly ain't obeying. Been a great day. I've, I've enjoyed the Lord today. I've enjoyed Him meeting me on, got me a muzzle cover and went over to the mountain to pray. Had my sunglasses and muzzle cover looked like a bank robber over there trying to steal the mountain. Yes. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. All right. We left off chapter number three. And, and I'm going to bring this up because it's so very important to understand chapter number four. We, we left chapter number three. They had caught out of the fiery furnace, didn't even smell the smoke was on them. Went, the hair wasn't even singed. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar made this statement. Therefore I made a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach. Now I want you to listen to what he says. Against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Didn't say it's his God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. We left off, if you'll remember, a couple weeks ago on this thought, the, as great of a miracle that took place that day, Nebuchadnezzar never destroyed the image. He never tore down the image. Just like a lot of God's people. They hear a message, but they don't tear down their images. Now, we come to chapter number 4. Now, if you're a Bible student tonight, chapter 4, if you highlight your Bible, if you mark your Bible, if you put an asterisk, whatever you do, chapter 4 is the most uniquest chapter in the Bible. It is unique for several different reasons. But one of the most uniquest things about it is this. We know the Holy Ghost of God moved men to pen the Word of God. But most scholars believe Nebuchadnezzar wrote this. Most scholars believe that, that this is the testimony of a king. If that be the case, I'm just saying, I'm just, I believe the Bible because it's there. But if that be the case, it's the only chapter in the Bible written by a non-Hebrew and so it makes it very, very unique within itself. The Bible says in chapter number 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my, head, my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. And I, I'm not going to take time to read all that because I want to get to verse 17. And verse 17, I want us to read together. Okay, are you ready? Now, I read verses 1 and 2. He's, he's had a dream. 
And the dream is just toying him, tying him up. He's troubled him. It's, it's bothered him tremendously. So, but in 17, because this is going to be the text verse, tonight I'm going to preach on broken, but I'm just going to give you part one. We'll do part two next Wednesday night. Now let's read together. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Let me read again. This matter, from verse number 1 to verse 17, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent, to the intent, here's the reason, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Let's go to the throne of grace. Brother George Brown, would you please pray? Oh, yes. Amen. I said earlier, most believe it is a testimony of a king. But what king would tell of his insanity? Amen. Many believe, and I thought this interesting, that Nebuchadnezzar was genuinely converted at the end of his life. We find in verses 1 through 3 here a proclamation and praise of the king. Let me, let me kind of set a stage for you so it, it kind of helps you get the, the feel of the chapter. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, historians say, wrote this and in a letter form or in a... Well, it wasn't a letter, but it, it was uh, a proclamation. They, they would have riders go through the kingdom, and, and the king has proclaimed and give this proclamation. Here was the proclamation that he gave. Nebuchadnezzar the king, and all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all earth, peace multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. It is believed he did this in the 35th year of his reign. As a matter of fact, about 15 years past the furnace incident. Daniel is in his early 50s at this time. And something has happened to the king. He is bragging, praising the holy God of heaven. Something has taken place to change this man's whole demeanor. 
you find in chapter 3. Remember what we said. He said, this is the decree concerning the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when you get to chapter 4, is it not amazing? He is no longer, he's no longer somebody else. He said, let me tell you how good God's been to me. Let me show you what God's done for me. He starts talking about how mighty and holy his God is. What happened to this man? Well, verses 4 to 16 tell us. 4 to 16, he goes into great detail of what brought him to proclaiming and praising the high God. Now I want you to listen tonight very, very carefully. Lord, let me see some here that just almost made me like Daniel. Astounded me in awe. I just went to the mountain of praying and, and it's just like God, I'd never seen it. And I was just awe. Oh, what a God. I'll tell you in just a minute. Number one, we see here. We see peace gives way to panic. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was resting in my house and flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my head and the visions of my head troubled me. Life could have been better. I mean, the king was flourishing. The word flourishing means he was contented. He was prosperous. I mean, nothing. Life could not be better. And then he has another dream. Here, here it comes, another dream. The word afraid means to crawl away in fear of something. Nebuchadnezzar wakes up in a panic mode, if you will. He's got peace in the kingdom, but no peace in his soul. He's got wealth, but he's spiritually bankrupt. Describes a whole lot of men and women today. And he went from peace to a panic mode in just one dream. I love this. I love this as a Peanuts comic strip I read one time, and TV's on, and the announcer's talking about a golf tournament's in progress, and Smith has to make this putt to win the championship. And, and then about that time, he makes the putt, and he says, there'll be no tomorrow. And about that time, Lucy walks in, and all she hears is, there'll be no tomorrow. And she goes into a panic, and she starts screaming to all the kids, there's no tomorrow, no tomorrow. And at the end, after all huddled on top of Snoopy's house, waiting for the end of the world to come, that's how a lot of people live their lives. Those who live without Christ may feel secure and at ease and peace. But can let me just say this. It's as counterfeit and temporary as anything you ever had in your life. This man went to bed. The Bible says he's flourishing everything. I mean, there's the word, the word flourishing. I wish I had the time just to expound on it. It, it. it means that there was not anything the king needed, wanted, or nothing. He felt good. Everything was good. And he woke up from a dream in a panic mode. Ephesian writer said, For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, we know this. 
We know this. Nebuchadnezzar was warlike in his character because he, he destroyed, he conquered so many cities. I, I guess the reason I say that is this. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a spooky man. In other words, you said boo, he said boo, back. He didn't, he didn't spook easy. So when he woke up in a panic mode, you had to imagine he saw something that really unnerved him. Number two, notice the powerlessness of the wise men. Now, you've you got to love this. He, he tried this once, it didn't work. So he gets on the phone, he calls Cleo again. He didn't listen to what he said. Therefore, may I decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me. They might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. And then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. Now I told, told the dream before them, but they did not make known to me the interpretation thereof. First time, he said, you tell me what the dream is, or I'm going to cut all your heads off. I mean, kick, but he didn't. This time, he's so unnerved, he tells them what the dream's about. But they're standing there going, we don't know. Can I help you? I don't know if you do this. Surely you're not foolish enough to send your money to those idiots. Surely you're not. Surely you're not. Surely you're not that dense, and 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 and, and surely you're you're not slipping in that many bricks of full loads. You'd send money to a bunch of. They cannot tell you anything. That's a bunch of garbage. Amen. Influence straight out of hell. My God. Goodness gracious. But I love this. Notice the prestige of Daniel. But at the last note, I love, you've got to love this. I believe this is a Baptist crowd right here. But at the last, Daniel came in before. The last, the last one to go against the man of God. They done been all about And the last one against the man of God. Isn't it? I love, I, you just got to love that. You just got to love that. I guess when nothing else works, we'll go to the man of God. He goes, goes back, whose name was Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, in whom is the Spirit of the Holy Gods. Before him I told the dream sin. Now, I want you to listen to the hypocrisy of this man. He ain't changed yet. But I want you to listen to him. Oh, Belshazzar, master of the magicians. Because I know that the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in thee. Why, you lying dog? If you knew that, why didn't you go to him first? If you believed that, why didn't you go to him first? No, no, no. You don't believe that. And no secret trouble thee. And tell me the visions of my dreams that I've seen and the interpretation thereof. He acknowledges, David, that Daniel's got something the rest of the crowd don't. Two preachers who didn't get along very well met on the street. One of them said, I heard your sermon. I heard you speak the other night and recognized that sermon. You preached it 14 years ago. Somewhat angrily, the other shot back, I heard you speak three weeks ago and I can't remember a word you said. I love that. When we finished our course, what will people say about you? What do they see in your lives? Do they see the Lord Jesus in our actions and in our attitudes? 2 Corinthians 3 2 says this You are epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. Every one of us is telling a story. 
somebody's watching. Somebody's watching our life. Somebody's watching. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, God, stead be reconciled to God. Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching my life. Somebody's watching yours. Now we come to the points of the dream. Then were the visions of mine head in my bed, and I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth. Height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached into heaven. Side thereof to the ends of all the earth. Now I want you to listen. I, I need you to listen now. Wake up and listen. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof, and in it, in it was meat, was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, under it, the tree. And the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the bows thereof, and all the flesh was fed of it, the tree. I saw in a vision of my head upon my bed, told a watcher, and a holy one came down from heaven. Now notice, he cried, hold it, let me just stop out there and say this. God said, hey, 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 two watchers over here. Get over here. Here's what you do. Watcher number one, you go scan the scene. Watcher number two, you be ready to do whatever he tells you to do. You go scan the scene, look at it, see if it's what I know it is, and you have a heavenly chainsaw cranked up and ready to go. The watchers come down and immediately... The watcher looked and he cried aloud and said, Hew down the tree! Cut off his branches! Shake off his leaves! Scatter his fruit! And let the beast get away from under the branches, from his branches. Hold it. Something happened. Probably missed it. He cried aloud and said, Hew down the tree. Cut off his. It's no longer it. His branches. Shake off his leaves. Scatter his fruit. And let the beast get away from under it. And the fowls from his branches. In verse number 14, the tree become the man. Nebuchadnezzar. And he went on, Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's. And let a beast heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. Hew down the tree. Cut the branches off. Shake off all the leaves. Get everything out from under it. Holy. Watch your Christ, the chainsaw. And 
He gets around the bottom and starts it in. He said, oh, no, no, no. Move it up about a foot or two. Cut her off right there. Leave a stump. He said, and when he gets done, he said, put that iron around it. Keep it moist. Because I'm not going to destroy the tree. I'm cutting the tree down. You say, why in God's name would God do that? Here's the purpose of the dream. To the intent. To the intent. That the living may know. May know. May know. My goodness. That the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Let me show you what God let me see today. I've never seen it. That word flourish, more I read it, more I worked on it. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to get as high in prestige and prominence and power and wealth You've got to understand, Babylon, there has never been, nor ever will be, a kingdom on earth to ever match its, its magnificence until Jesus brings down another heaven. And in, in, in that kingdom, the highest, the top, the most powerful, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to literally almost get angelic in his being. That's how high in prominence he was and in power. Don't miss this. In one moment of time, one moment, he took him to the farthest extreme to give him an animal's heart for seven years. He took him from the highest pinnacle to the lowest pinnacle possible, literally almost entered into the animal kingdom to show you and I I'm in charge of this thing. It unnerves me the way we act. It terrifies me. Daniel saw that. And he, as he saw that, he was speechless. He didn't know what to say. He, he uh, when he saw it, that word, uh, watchers, Literally means sleepless angels. And, and it, it, when Daniel saw it, he, he, he was, he, he just, just dumbfounded. He, he just, he didn't, he didn't even speak. And, and, and I gotta believe old Daniel, he, he, he just, 
he, he just had this look. And, and, and finally Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, it's okay, son. Tell me, what's the dream? It's okay, Daniel. I'm not going to hurt you. And Daniel said, you don't understand. The dream is not for you. It's for your enemies. You're the tree. And a watcher is cutting you down. And you're going to be like an animal for seven years. See, we got to understand God is the promoter and dethroner of kings. Napoleon was warned before Waterloo that man's purpose, that man's purpose, but God disposes. But he responded with a scoff and suffered a great defeat. Napoleon's pride led to his destruction. See, we got to understand man at his best is bad. Man at his strongest is weak. Man at his wisest is unwise when he comes beside a thrice holy God. Our promotion cometh neither from the east or from the west or from, nor from the south. But God's a judge. He put it down one and setteth up another. Pride go up before destruction and the Holy Spirit before a fall. King knew Daniel could give him the interpretation. And he does. And he was astounded. And he was astounded. And literally he said, he, he just didn't know what to do with it. And he said, my goodness. He said, you, you, just, you, you just don't understand. Um, if I, you're, 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 the, you're the tree. And we've got to understand something. God's still on the throne. And He's still running men. And in one split second of time, He can cut your stinking rotten pride and help you to realize, let me tell you how good God's been. I had a man one time, Eddie knows him, his name was J.W. And uh, worked at Hickory Chair Company. And uh, I'd go up there and push stuff to him to, to work on him. And I'd walk up there and he said, Grab your pocketbooks, women. My uh, uh, Jim Baker's in the room. Grab your billboards. Grab your pants, breeches, pants, and, and just, just mocking it, mocking it, the cause of Christ. Because I was a preacher. And I, I told him one day, I said, J.W., I said, buddy, listen. I said, you ought not be doing that. I said, you ought not be doing that. I said, I like having fun as much as anybody, but I said, but you're crossing the lines. Y'all not be crossing. I said, y'all not be doing that. I said, you're, you're, you're really getting in a dangerous place. And all he made some smart remark, you know. And uh, that went on. And I mean, he was just, he just got worse, actually. And uh, one Monday, he wasn't there. Somebody said, did you hear about J.W.? I said, no, I didn't. He said, over the weekend, he had a stroke. And I went to the hospital and and I didn't go to gloat or, or to be ugly. I went to pray for the man. That's what I was supposed to, ain't it? Went to pray for him. I, I searched my heart. You know, I said, God, you want me to go? And I believe that God wanted me to go. And 
I went over there and he's, he's sitting in a chair. And By the way, this man went but about maybe 49 years old. Sitting in a chair, wheelchair, and he's all leaned over and one arm's paralyzed and one side's paralyzed. And he's, 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 his mouth's drawn, he's drooling and got an old towel around there. And he looked at me and he, and he, and he started, started crying. And, but it's what I saw in his eyes. What's on his eyes. It absolutely terrified me. He was so angry. He was so angry because he couldn't control his emotions. The stroke had affected. He couldn't stop crying. And he just jumped up and down. And that shame, you could just see the fire in his eyes. Because, see, he thought he was top dog. He thought they wanted God in heaven. He thought he could do what he wanted to. He thought he could act any way he wanted to, show himself any way he wanted to. And there wasn't somebody listening. There was. Was. See, it wasn't about what he was doing to me. He was doing the cause of Christ. See, this thing ain't about us. That's what the problem is. We've all made it about us. We're all hung up on ourselves, on our stinking run selves that's full of hellish pride. And I'm just being honest, it ain't about none of us. Are you listening? It ain't about none of us. It ain't about this pulpit. It ain't about the singing. It ain't about none of us. It's about Him. And we have forgotten it's Him that's in charge of this thing. Told my doctor, went doctor Monday again. I said, now, Doc, bless God, hallelujah. I said, you're going to do something. I said, this is the third trip. I said, I've had more antibiotics and... I said, I know I ain't got a germ left in my body. I said, you put me on steroids. I feel like Popeye. I said, something's got to happen. And, uh, and, but then, but he's a Christian, loves God. I said, but you know, Doc, I've come to the conclusion. If God gets more glory out of me standing up here and stuttering and stammering and spitting and barking, or if God gets more glory from Brother Ronnie or Brother Matthew preaching or Brother Ed preaching, God, I just want you getting glory. I just want you getting glory. Nebuchadnezzar thought he could take that. And he walks out and, and he's astounded. And he begins to tell him and how that how that this dream is going to come about. And for one hour, he didn't say a word. What astounding means to be appalled, stunned, perplexed, terrified. The word trouble means to be frightened and alarmed. Daniel was literally scared out of his wits. Because you see, that first dream exalted Nebuchadnezzar, the second dream, going to cut him off at the stump. Proverb writer said this, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. There's one more part about this dream, though. I want to share with you. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll give you part number two. Daniel begins to tell him about the dream, he's astounded. And, and I love this. Daniel had been taken a slave as a teenage boy, a slave. Had always been a slave there. But Daniel loved this old man. 
He really did. In verse 25, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever will. And whereas thou commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after, after known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, here, here's his counsel. Let my counsel be accepted unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Here's what he said. He said, King, I don't think the judgment's going to stop. And there are some things God doesn't choose to stop. There's just some things God don't choose to take away. And you say, why? Well, we don't know and we don't know a person's heart or their life. He does. Some things God just didn't take away. And here's what he said. He said, if you'll start right right now. He said, right now, right now. Nebuchadnezzar, if you will do right, right now. Right now. If you'll just do right. And he said, if you'll just continue to do right, God just may lengthen the days on out here before this comes to bear. Never did tell him it wouldn't. But he said, if you do, just maybe God will just extend some mercy and grace. I think God extends some mercy and grace for some folks. And if we tonight, right now, right now, right now, if God nudges your heart to do something, it just might be that God will extend ever having to show you He rules in your life. One moment. Most amazing thing I've ever seen. Most powerful man, most powerful man in his day, in one moment of time, was graveling like an animal on all fours eating grass with no mind. One moment of time. From that span to that span. Whoa, what a God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I don't believe God's got a big stick and went and hurt any of us. Matter of fact, you say, well, boy, God wasn't merciful here. Oh, yes, He was. Man, He's been real merciful. He gave him a dream about an image, he tied down the image. <sighs> He had a fiery furnace and showed display the great miracle. Didn't, didn't change him. So God said, okay. God said, okay. 
You know, I, I was thinking this. I was thinking about this today, and I hope you don't mind me using this illustration. And if he does, I, I think I can outrun him. I'm not sure. Many times Brian will text me, especially when he's going on interstate. Going on interstate, and he'll say, Preacher, I'm going on interstate today. Would you please pray for me? And uh, I asked him one time about that, and he said, he said, uh, you know them rumble strips? It's on the roads. Uh, he said, I- I'll be a mowing. I can hear that rumble strip. And he said, and what do you do? He said, ain't a thing in the world you can do. And I thought about, I thought about that so much. I thought, my God, he's absolutely right. I mean, if he's here, it ain't a thing in the world. He know where to go. He's just right there. In one moment of time. One moment of time. Folks, I'm, I'm not here to scare you, to hurt you. And I'll be honest with you. We, we really need to get very conscious about the fact we got a God that ruleth men. I want to rule my life. This coming Sunday, I want to bring a message, Lord's willing, Sunday morning, part one, part two, who's running the store, that, that God's plan that He had, God, God had a plan in the very beginning how He wanted our lives to operate. And, uh, boy, I'm excited about preaching it. But more than that, I'm, I'm excited about God running my world. I want God in charge of this thing. I don't want to rule anything because I recognize the fact that if he chose to do so, he don't have to let me be here. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited about what God's... I'm glad to be a part of what God's doing in his great work. And I never want to forget, it's his work. Part two, next week. Let's all stand to our feet.